Good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this Hacking the Red Circle conversation, where we talk to people in the TEDx world you'll want to know better. The show is designed to learn what it takes to produce, organize, promote, and create a world-class event. If you're an experienced organizer, you'll get some great tips. Veteran organizers share lessons they've learned so that first-timers can avoid common missteps. There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. If this is your first time to the show, welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am I'm time traveling and going around the world again. This time, I am in Vienna, and I'm talking with Reka Artner, who's the co-organizer of TEDx Vienna. And Reka, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Hi, guys. I, wa- I wanted to tell you that um, I was in New York at TED headquarters just around the holidays last December, and I was talking to Will, and uh, you had just released, a, it was like a video case study of what you mm-hmm. had done, and it was, and I think it was on the hub, and he said, did you see that case study on the hub? And <laughs> I, I hadn't, but I went and saw it real quickly, and I was like, he said, we love those. Those are so great. And it was that at that exact moment that I had the idea to do the podcast and being able to talk to organizers and have an audio version of the case study. So the idea of being able to learn from one another mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. we we do what we do, which is what, what your case study was about. So I'm finally now nine months able <laughs> later able to get you on the show. So welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much. We're super excited to share our experiences and uh, we love to listen to the podcast to kind of get other inspiration, other ideas. So I think it's a great idea. Do you have an example of an idea of something that you heard that you put into practice? Um, something that we heard and put into practice. I mean, what we um, work with is, uh, for example, audience interaction things. Yes. Uh, so that was something we have not focused on before. Um, so we got a lot of inspiration from other TEDx's on that. When I uh, we did the, the first interview we did that was like that was with Hannah and mm-hmm. DK mm-hmm. from Wellington, and I was so impressed by the fact that someone in the leadership was in charge of user experience that we immediately went and added someone mm-hmm. to our team. And she is, I have to tell you, now our events in seven weeks, your events in six weeks. We, I know, <laughs> listener, you should see her shaking her head, going, "Oh my God, what? I don't have an extra hour." So, when did you when did you first get involved with TEDx? Um, so, me personally, yeah, um, I started. So, obviously, I mean, TED has been around for a while, sure, and I've been watching TED talks before that. Um, just hadn't realized that it's already happening in Vienna, in my city here in Austria. And then I went in the beginning of 2012, I went to a smaller live stream event that they had in yes. February where they were live casting one of the TED events. Um, and I would just so fell in love with the idea mm-hmm. <laughs> itself mm-hmm. of TEDx events. And obviously also got to know the team, um, a, a very small but great, amazing team back then and then um, decided to join. 
And what did you do? What was the first job that you had? What did you say? Oh, I know I want to do this. So my first job uh, was getting into um, the event management part of it. Uh, Um, And I remember very vividly that one of the bigger things in the beginning was um, being responsible for the volunteers for the day itself. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yes, um, because I've been in in another organization before working a lot with volunteers. um, And that was one of my first bigger tasks. And it was a challenge. With all the 5,000 Excel sheets and um, proper work plans. But uh, it was amazing to do. <laughs> how many people, how many volunteers did you have that day? So that day, I think, so back then, I think we had around uh, 50 for the yeah, day. Yeah. Something like that, between 40 and 50. And what's your, um, what's your tip for, because we have people, um, it's not just organizer listen to the show. I mean, entire teams mm-hmm. listen to the show. And so for the person who's in charge of volunteers, who's listening, what piece of advice would you give them? <laughs> give them cookies and chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> I mean, obviously um, rewarding volunteers, um, is an essential part, definitely. And obviously, we cannot give them money. So I think you should definitely look into um, what you can give them instead. And it's not really about the financial value of it. Sure. It's more around, um, you know, that you're um, showing that you really value them. Um, but I think what helps a lot is um, when you – I know it's, it might be a bit micromanaging, but I think the, the time to work really well is when every person has a very specific job. Um, and uh, you also build in breaks where they can actually go and watch the talks that are happening <laughs> during the day and why everybody is actually there. Um, and I think that also shows the appreciation that they can just go and watch talks themselves. Do you have job descriptions that are written out? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you have a, Absolutely. how many years has TEDx Vienna been around? So we have been around, um, let's say it's the eighth main conference but we have been around seven years so it started in 2010 um and we already had over 20 events if you also count the live casts and the small events but we also do salons during the year right um and obviously we do the main conference always um in fall and that's the eighth biggest um so the the bigger one um happening now in as you said five weeks and how how close is the closest TEDx to you because I'm I'm trying to get a sense. I was talking with uh, Lagos Emmanuel from Lagos Nigeria yesterday, and there are seven TEDxes within 20 minute drive of him. How many? How saturated is TEDx in your area? Um, I think like one would be maybe uh, like a kilometer away. <laughs> no, in the sense of yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> we have uh, we have uh, other TEDxes in Vienna, right? So we are uh, TEDx Vienna, but there's also uh, TEDx Donauinsel, which is a super cool event happening on the Danube Island. And then um, this year, for the very first time, one of the um, universities, the technical university, decided to start a TEDx, which is also super cool. And they would be kind of neighbors, if you want to put it that way. Sure, so they're, sure. they're the, the venue is super close to ours. Um, but then obviously, there are other TEDx's in Austria as well that are not far away. 
And then we have, you know, uh, Slovakia next to us right away. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have the Czech Republic. You know Europe. It's yes, like everything course. is next to right, each other. Right, right. And that's why we also have attendees from the surrounding countries coming to us, other TEDx organizers coming to us. So um, so that that's what I love about Europe so much. It's so close. Do, do you have a workshop in con- conjunction with your event? Um, we don't have a, a TEDx workshop per se, but we do have a call call out every year um, that TEDx organizers can attend the conference. And then on Sunday, we have a brunch where we get together. Um, so we have around 25 TEDx organizers from all around, mostly Europe, obviously, sure. um, coming to Vienna um, and enjoying the event together with us and then having a nice brunch on Sunday. I, I love that, uh, that idea. Last year... We had a lot of guests from out of the area at TEDx Santa Barbara, and they were staying overnight. And it's like, you know, when you have mm-hmm. a big wedding and everybody comes to town mm-hmm. and then you have a brunch the next day. Oh, absolutely. And yes. my wife said, well, let's just, let's go have brunch. And it turned out we had like 25 people. I thought we'd have three or four. And everybody is <laughs> like, come on, let's go. And, it, you know, because they'd, it was the speakers because they'd already given the talk. So they were relaxed and it, it, we had a great after party and, and exactly. the, the stress was gone and the exhilaration was there and it was, it was spectacular. I, I loved that. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm sure it was an amazing experience. We are striving for, for something very similar. So you right. know, on Saturday, everybody's still very tense and yes. obviously want to ask your questions, but it's like a lot happening. And then on Sunday, it's like <laughs> where everybody can just like breathe again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and just be more relaxed and just enjoy together time. Let's put it How that many way. people on your core team? Um, at the moment, we are on 70 people in, in the core Seven team. Seven zero? Seven zero, yes. Okay, hum, okay, that's like, that's crazy talk <laughs> right there. How, how, okay, so in, so do you have like an executive team? Uh, so, so how it works with us, we are structured in functional areas. Um, and each functional area would have an area head. We call them the team leaders. Yes. And that the team leaders together with the two curators are then the board. So we call it the board and then we have um, each functionary team. Like I think most TEDx's do like, you know, you have your speaker liaison team yes. where Leah is zoning <laughs> with the speakers, <laughs> getting them here, the the event management team, the communication team. And I think what is a unique from what I heard to other TEDx's um, that we have a quite a big blogger team. Um, so we have around oh, 15 to team. 20 people. Um, n- no, we have a social media team. Um, oh. they're, yeah, they're working on content throughout the year and really, um, uh, trying to find the best and coolest ideas to share, sure. but we have a separate blogger team and oh. they're creating content. So we are, um, we are, um, posting three blog posts per week. Um, and we have quite a big, um, yeah, uh, team many, around that as well. How many seats, how many attendees? At the at the main event yes. that we're going to have now in October, we have almost one thousand. So counting the team, obviously, we will have more than one thousand people at the event. And when did tickets go on sale? Um, so we um, went on sale at our last salon event. That was the adventure event uh, in June, and we're going to be sold out actually today or tomorrow. <laughs> we have like the very 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 last tickets left. That's. Um, I, I love that feeling, being able to say you're sold yeah. out. 
right? You know, I know you're laughing. You totally understand what I'm saying, right? Absolutely. Because that's We're a counting big, down. <laughs> yeah, because a, a thousand seats is is a lot to sell. Um, what what is it about TEDx Vienna that you feel sets you apart? That makes you unique. Um, as as unique from other events or unique within the TED network. Let's let's say within the TED network, because as you know, we all, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lane that we stay in. We know what the format is. You know, we've we've mm-hmm. for those of us have the larger events, you know, we've been to a TED, so we 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 understand what it is. Yet there's always something that we do that makes it like, I know I'm at TEDx Vienna. I'm not <laughs> at another one. What would that thing be? Mm. I mean, so maybe let's let's divide the visual and the not so visual part of it. So okay. how I would know that I'm at a TEDx Vienna is um, that we're always striving to pick a venue that represents Vienna in a way. Oh. So that also, yeah. So once you see our videos, you know that you're watching a TEDx Vienna talk and not any other talk. Um, so we always pick a historic venue for that um mostly it's theaters or museums um so that you can also from the just visual point of view yes. kind of get it okay i'm at tedx vienna and then from a content kind of perspective i mean obviously all we all other tedx's are also amazing with creation of things. course but but what is i think unique within the team is that everybody gets to curate in the sense that all the team members, we have like a platform online and all the team members can suggest speakers throughout the year. And then it's uh, the job of Vlad and I to then go through all of them and uh, select the ones that, you know, then really fit the theme, um, have an idea to share. So really do the creation part on that. But I think that that step before so that everybody gets to be part of that creation, I think, is, is what makes it so unique. Because oh, like honestly, t- two people cannot know everything, mm. right? Mm. Um, we, we do a lot of research. We do a lot of scouting um, every year. But we cannot see and hear and um, know all ideas. So what makes it so amazing is that you have 70 people contributing with their knowledge, expertise, and ideas in creating the events. Do you do an open call? Um, what we have on our website, the possibility to um, suggest yourself or suggest somebody you know should talk or um, give a speech. Um, and we get a lot of suggestions. But And I hope I'm not hurting anybody by saying this, but we do get a lot of motivational speakers where we sometimes miss the idea we're spreading. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> So um, we always go through them and we're very ha- happy and grateful because also this year we have one speaker um, coming from that suggestion um, box. But um, yes. just it's, So it's, so it's interesting. Listener, pay attention here. If you run a, an event where you have an open call, you are going to find that a majority of the submissions are the motivational speaker, life coach. Mm-hmm. You know, something bad happened to me and I overcame it and you mm-hmm. can too. And that's, that's not what we do. Um, though there, there has been, there is a lot of that typically, right? What we, mm-hmm. what we like to say is, is there some brilliant idea that is inspirational Absolutely. on the fact that it is an idea? So my question for you, um, Reka is how, how do you, um, what kind of communication do you give to that 
person who submitted. I mean, their whole life work is being a motivational speaker. And it's like they want to get on the TED stage. So mostly so they can put a TED talk on their homepage. Um, but what do you say to them? Do you, do you have a something to let them down nicely? <laughs> <laughs> to let them <laughs> To let them know nicely. Um, I mean, obviously, we, we thank them for the submission. Of course. Because um, it, it, it is great that somebody, you know, takes the time mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, and proposes speakers or themselves. Um, but mostly, and I'm sure we can be a bit more precise on that as well, mostly we tell them that it's not fitting the theme this year and that um, we are, as just what you said before, so we would be, we're looking for that unique idea worth right. sharing and that we still have not quite seen that yet or figured out yet. And then with some, you know, we really get into a conversation because... You know, they, they didn't want to explain it more. And um, sometimes we dig deeper and there is an idea behind it. Um, but a lot of submissions are just what you said before. This happened to me. I overcame it. I would like to share it. Um, or I'm, I'm a coach. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm a, like when I read the sentence, the first sentence, I'm a public speaker. I go, I'm uh-oh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that that's great. <laughs> but what the idea behind it <laughs> I was, uh, you know, I, I knew that was coming when we put our call out this year. And mm-hmm. uh, through this show, one of the things I learned was when I talked to TEDx Wandsworth, which is just outside of uh, one of the suburbs of London, He he's a writer. And he wrote a beautiful speaker page. And I said, could I please use that? And it explained what, what a TED Talk is and what a TED Talk isn't. But then it broke it down into six different types of talks. Mm-hmm. And it was spectacular with three different examples of each of the six talks. So someone could go in and then in our form, we said, which of those six talks are you like? You know, are you like, Oh, that's that's super interesting. Right. Mm. So if you look so at So you already filter Exactly. So if you look at mm-hmm. tedxsantabarbara.com and under get involved, you can see that. And it was mm-hmm. a kind of a combination of several, but uh, a shout out to our good friends at TEDx Wandsworth about that. What mm-hmm. you know, you've been doing this now for 7 years. And I'm going to guess that there are still some things that surprise you. What I mean, as much of a veteran as you are, what what surprise <laughs> still surprises you about TEDx and maybe TEDx Vienna? Ooh, what surprises me? That's that's a great question. Um, I think the what surprises me the most are audience reactions. Uh, How's so that? In the How's of, that? Um, in the sense of you know, once you you selected your speakers and then I'm also part of the, the coaching team. So we are, uh-huh. I'm also coaching some of the speakers and I have a clear idea of, you know, this is his message and this is the idea we're spreading and this is how um, the audience is going to perceive yes. it. <laughs> and I think the the biggest surprises are happening there. So from what I think um, that the message would be or what comes across and then afterwards the the feedback is, uh, is sometimes, I mean, obviously most of them are what you expect, but then the surprises are there where, where it, ha- it happens differently. And I think that that's the beauty of it. Um, and yeah. Have you, have you noticed that you, you know, you spend so much time coaching 
and getting that idea mm-hmm. and getting them rehearsed and memorized and all of that. And then when they step into the red circle, that magic happens and mm-hmm. the audience <laughs>, laughs. Maybe it's something that they didn't expect to laugh at. And that gets the speaker more engaged and then they start to relax and then it starts to flow and you can watch them visibly become very comfortable and lean in to the talk. Have you noticed mm-hmm. that? Oh, absolutely. And it's, 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 it's so beautiful, you know, especially because um, you're standing in backstage with them, you know, mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. mostly, they're all shaking and nervous. Even the most <laughs> of experienced course. of all, It's a right? TED talk. Come on. <laughs> And like, you know, the, the veterans among us, as among them, um, who already gave a lot of spe- uh, speeches, they're still like shaking and nervous. Of course. And then they get on stage and, and then they, they click with the audience, what you mm. just explained beautifully. And that's when, when it starts flowing. And you like told us, you know, like we have the option to put a couple of notes um, on the screen in front of them that nobody sees. It's like a right. tilted screen in front of them um and then you see like then they would not even look at it anymore mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. so they're just so into it mm-hmm. and um they just go with it they steal the show and then tell me what you do right when they walk off stage what's the first thing you do when they walk off stage <laughs> so uh i mean obviously every speaker is a bit different of course their personality um but mostly so um, our speakers also get a person who is responsible for them during the day to like, you know, really be there, b- b- touch them, <laughs> calm them down, give right. them water bottles, whatever they need. So that person is then, you know, anxiously waiting behind the stage backstage to like hug them, to high five them, um, to give a kiss on their cheek. Uh, so whatever it is, what kind of connection those two build right. throughout the day. And they would then get this. And um, also after the talk, the moderator then goes on stage and asks them one or two questions. Okay, so um, you do that. The host will do yes, that. Yes, we do that. We do that as a transition um, to to not have talk, 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 talk. But we want to give the audience like a second, you know, to, whew, okay, so that was mm, the talk. Mm, mm, you know, mm. um, let, let's put the thoughts where they belong and let's focus on the next one. Um, and that's why we, we do that. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You say that when, and, and listener, what you couldn't see, cause I'm looking at Reka on the screen here is <laughs> when she, when they come out of the talk, she went whoo, whoo, like they're cleansing. <laughs> and I'm reminded of what Hannah did, uh, in Wellington. They knew that coming into a break, the last talk was very heavy and that mm-hmm. was very emotional. And they Mm -hmm. worked with the local animal shelter to bring puppies. No kidding. Wow. And when people (laughs) came out, there were puppies to pet. So (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's clever, right? What a great idea to have. Let's just have puppies there. (laughs) So for the speakers only or also for the audience? It was for the audience. For the audience. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. We, we, (laughs) so uh, so I, so, when I, you know, I have my whole team listen to the show and get ideas as well. So there is uh, something called the Cat Cafe uh, uh, in the next block behind our theater, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. do cat therapy. So they have cats, and you go in, <laughs> then you sit and you have a cup of coffee and you pet cats. 
And that's amazing. So we're gonna try to do something. That's we actually we should think about what's happening afterwards a bit more. And I'm gonna maybe steal the puppy idea, because um, what we we more focused on what happens before. So before the speaker goes on stage, mm. you know, um, like we do power poses and all that kind of things sure, to prepare sure, them. Sure. Um, but I love the idea of thinking about what to do with them afterwards also as kind of a ritual to calm them down. Yeah, there is, um, uh, we've been toying with the idea of assigning someone to each speaker. How many speakers do you have typically? Typically 20. This year we have 22. Okay. So that's 22 people walking around, making sure that they are where they need to be and that they have what they need. If they need a green juice or a coffee, they get them. So typically what we do is that one person would have like, let's say three speakers. Okay. um, Got it. Spread throughout the day. Got it. Um, And then they can each session focus on the one they would, they would have to um, attend to. That, that, I've I've heard a recurring theme on the show that the amount of attention that various organizers pay to the speakers and the the comfort and you know they know they're giving the talk of their life. So what are all the things that you can do to remove friction, if you will, uh, from that? I remember um, one of our spe- he was second to the last speaker, and all day long he just. I kind of wish he had just gone to a quiet place, but he was out with everybody and talking, but a boy in that last hour, he was a wreck. Uh, But he's, when he stepped onto the stage, he was the one I was thinking of when I talked earlier, they, Mm -hmm. that first laugh melted him. And he was, he, he really, he gave such a great talk that two (laughs) weeks later, um, there was a speaking competition where he lives and he submitted, um, to, to participate. And he gave that talk. He won the competition, won the first prize and, and actually wow. got, got some money. And, and he now is spending more time doing public speaking than he is uh, in his day job because he found how much he loved it. <laughs> he didn't know he was going to love it so much. So, so along with the good things, there's always some challenges. What's the biggest challenge that, that you face that, you know, even with 70 people on the crew, it's still a challenge. Hmm, the biggest challenges we face. Um, but I don't know why. Funnily enough, this year, it seemed to be a bit trickier to, uh, to like finalize the whole speaker lineup. Um, like we had visa issues. We had to cancel on the speaker because she, she didn't get the visa and all that kind of stuff just, uh, seemed a bit, um, yeah, overwhelming in the sense because it went so smooth in the last years. So mm. that was something that we realized this year. I don't know. It was, it was hard to get through to speakers because the assistants were a bit non-responding and, and all these kind of things that, um, just went a bit smoother last year. Um, that seemed the challenge and that on the other hand, slowed us down a bit. Um, so we were at times behind our, our schedule that we usually are not. Um, so we had to deal with those kind of things. Um, other challenges, um, I mean, obviously, we are always trying to improve in any areas that are possible. We have an amazing uh, partner and event management team. So they're, 
they're like on top of everything always um and uh, we are we are not such a big fan of outsourcing like i know there are events that are outsourcing a lot and they right. only curate right um we we would like to you know just have the creative creativity in all elements of of the day so we very much keep everything to to um within the team um challenges i think there would be more to share if we would talk about the adventure uh, of the salon event that we had in june because it was the first year we did it and the first um event that was very specific and very different mm. so we had more challenges there the one in fall you know we have been doing it for years now so it's 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 very much running what was your favorite part of, what was your favorite part of the adventure um, that was uh, such a surprise for the audience. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> like, sure. Uh, but, you know, like we, we have a big community in Vienna by now, but they had no idea what to expect because it was oh, such a different sure. format. Um, just maybe for, for the others to explain. So what we did is on one day, we organized 10 different adventures happening at the same time and sending off around 20 attendees to each one of them. And uh, that's obviously not a TED and the, 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 the typical TED format of somebody standing on stage and giving a talk, right? It's, it's very much hands-on and it's exactly. an experience and you have to travel there and you have to engage. And the audience was a bit surprised of what's happening here. <laughs> <laughs> and funny enough, we assigned them randomly so they didn't get to pick because we were, you know, we were like thinking. Oh, you assigned the adventure randomly. Yes. Got it. Exactly. Exactly. So we thought if somebody was into tech IT, they would probably then choose the adventure that is in that direction. And we were like, no, let's put that person into music or art. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> now, did so I see a- this? Let me see if I, I'm trying to think if there was a little video of the adventure. You yes. had some people yes. in an orchestra. They got to go to that an is- orchestra. Exactly. So one adventure was that you had to be become a conductor. So you had an oh orchestra my gosh. in front of you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. You had to be the conductor. Yes. Will you send us it, a link to that video? Because I want to put absolutely. that on the page because mm-hmm. we're um you know, I, I I've rebooted my whole event this year. Um because of this show actually. I thought <laughs> that there was a better way to do what we do. And so I, what happens is every week I have these conversations and I go back to my team and I have a whole new idea and, <laughs> and I have to keep and things. And how are they keeping up? <laughs> they're doing, they're doing okay. And I, I'm aware that the, you know, I can tend to, uh, change the strategy often. And so I don't do that, but I have said, we are going to do an adventure in 2018. There's so many interesting <laughs> things here. And so I'm going to, and I'm talking to uh, John Warner uh, of mm-hmm. TEDx Beacon Street, who came up with the TEDx mm-hmm. adventure mm-hmm. idea. Mm-hmm. I'm talking mm-hmm. to him in two weeks. Really Perfect. excited about that. Um, but TED, TEDx adventures are just quickly, they're a different format. It's more like a field trip. And sometimes people do it uh, the day before their main event. They do it, and you did it as a part of a salon, right? No, we did it. Um, so the adventures per se was the event. Okay. Um, so okay. instead of having one adventure additionally or two, we had ten, and we. <laughs> You're <laughs> and nuts. That was the event. <laughs> 
so it was a whole day of adventures if that uh, makes sense <laughs> yes so that video i'm i'm looking i'm looking forward to that um w- with all the things that you can do or that need to be done and i mean you obviously run the board and then you've got teams of teams if I asked you what was your superpower, is it organizing, collaborating, producing, marketing, curating, or partnering? Which which of those things are you do you like the most or do you love the most? Mm, what do I love the most? <laughs> so um so me as a person or, or the team or you. No you. Me. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um I love the most. I think the the creation part, obviously, because it's 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 a fascinating part. Because um, you get to, you know, bring such precious and not heard ideas before on the stage and just broadcast it to the world. I think that that's a very powerful experience to have that kind of um, impact. Yes. Um, so I think that's amazing. But what I love the most is. Every month we have a big team meeting where the whole team is uh, coming together um, and uh, I'm kind of responsible to organizing that, um, filling it with content, um, but also putting sometimes little games into a kind of, you know, that team building aspect oh, nice. um, or <laughs> or ideation things where we use design thinking me- methods, for example, to come up with our theme. Mm. It's not me and Vlad deciding. But it's it's a design thinking workshop uh, where the whole team gets to participate, and at the end right. there is the theme. Oh, I love uh, that! So I love those kind of things because those like that kind of creativity that comes out of those meetings um, is just one of a kind, and that I have not experienced before in other organization companies, um, or obviously not while studying. I think that uh, t- TEDx gets us to think differently about everything, doesn't it? Mm, absolutely. Right. It's hard yes. to not, you know, if you think you've done, you have, um, tw- you know, 20 speakers over seven years, you're doing your eighth one. That's what 160 amazing people that you've been able to work with and be a part of. Plus your, all of the people that are attracted as volunteers to the team. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's such a unique experience. So listener, if you are, haven't done a TEDx or you haven't organized one and you've heard this podcast and you're thinking about doing it, do it, do it, <laughs> figure it out. Do it. Just, just yes, take the leap. <laughs> just do it. Take the leap. What What are you most looking forward to in your event in six weeks? Mm, I mean, from a very personal perspective, yes, personal. Um, meeting, meeting other TEDx organizers again. Oh, um, so as I mentioned before, we'll have a lot of them coming from all over and joining us for the day. I think that, that that's beautiful to see them again and kind of um, um, talk to them. But um, obviously, I mean, we have been working for a year now. So we always start in November working for the next year. I think as most of us, we work for the whole year on the event. Um, so, the the coolest thing for me is what I love to do at events is stand behind the stage because I'm also one of the moderators and hosts of the day is to stand behind the stage behind the black curtain and just peek 
into the first row. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and second row, because you can still see them because the light is still shining a bit on onto the first two rows and just watch their facial expressions while listening to the talks. I think that's always, you know, that one of those points where you get goosebumps as yeah. an organizer to watch the people watch the talks. I know it sounds weird, but no, it's, no, 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 it doesn't do. at all. Let, I'm going to give you an idea. And it was something I okay. learned from a uh, main Ted in uh, Long Beach and even now more and more so in Vancouver. You've noticed this. They light the audience with blue light mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that the speaker can see the audience so that they can connect with the audience beyond just the front row or front two rows. Mm-hmm. And my lighting guy if he hears me say, I need it more blue one more time, I swear he's going <laughs> to hit me. But I but I try to show them pictures like this is how much blue I want. I want it to feel like it's lit, but it's blue and it has this amazing effect, right? Like because the audience is, is the other part of that conversation, right? They're, oh, absolutely. Right. Yes. So we just we just talked to the theater last week. We were there and, uh, you know, went through the whole day, etc. And talked to them also with the lightning girl um, who was there. And we're working on the blue. We're working on the blue. <laughs> she was like, well, it's going to be hard, especially in the audience. They always I'm say like, that. Listen, we need to work about we need to work on that. Um, <laughs> so, yes, uh, thank you very much. Yeah. I will take that and strengthen my point. More blue. blue. If you, More if blue. The, the, <laughs> what really helps with the lighting people is if you show them some examples and then they understand. Yes. Mm. Right. There's not like I'm some crazy event producer just wants <laughs> given blue. I don't want to do blue, <laughs> you know, so. so so you want you run one of I have to say one of the most beautiful TEDx's and I think it's the as you said it's finding venues that represent Vienna and Vienna has such a rich history of of art and architecture mm-hmm. and design and uh, that that's just that's an advantage that you have. However, if I were to put you <laughs> on the red carpet and you and i could fly to any tedx in the world where would we go where would you like to go um so as i've been to a couple before and it's it's really something i love to do so when you know when you're traveling somewhere look up look it up yes. is there another tedx connect to the organizers i think that's such a powerful thing we have in our community um you can really just hit up anybody and um connect to them and already has somebody um in that get to know someone in the country but um the next one on my list would be um elena's tedx so tedx sao paulo oh yes because <laughs> uh, i just met her um in um a TED, fe- uh, TED fest a TED global sorry in tanzania and uh she was just sharing um her experience they i think they just recently had their tedx they if did i remember ten, correctly ten thousand people and they did ten thousand attendees and i was like wow how do you do that <laughs> so that was pretty pretty inspiring listener if you would like to um hear elena's story firsthand just go back into the back catalog and look for TEDx Sao Paulo. She, she was wonderful on the phone and she just made it sound so easy and so simple. And <laughs> I was just like, how do you do that girl? I'm just, I'm just very, 
but it, you know, as she said, it's, you know, it's having the team, um, it's having a plan. And in, in the interview, she said that last year they did 5,000. They were in a new stadium, a new football stadium, soccer stadium. And when they met with the event people, the stadium people afterwards, they said, you know, you're only using a little tiny piece of the stadium. You could easily do 10,000 people and it wouldn't be that big a deal. And it was something she said, okay, let's do that. I said, oh, okay, you're that that's, you know, we, we've, we have, we just, our biggest we've ever done is, is 300. We keep it at 300 and, mm-hmm. um, and there's a philosophy for, there's the ones who like it at a hundred and then three to 600 then 600 to a thousand then the big mega events that are absolutely that are just I'm, i think i think all of them have their beauties like when exactly I, um remember i i mentioned tedx donuts before and um i think they're at around 300 this year 250 300 if i'm correct correctly and it's a whole different atmosphere you know yeah. it's it feels a lot more uh connected in a sense um and uh it just feels like you're it's even easier to get to know other people because we're all family kind of more yes. in that sense, um, especially the the breaks. And uh, with the thousand, we always have this problem of, okay, how do we, what kind of engagements do we do in the break and how do we connect them more? And it's, it's more of an overhead in that sense. Right. So I think there are pros and cons. I know. Absolutely. Um, Katie Yam of TEDx Montreal. Um, we talked uh, at length about that because they, mm-hmm. what she does is they, this last year, they got a huge warehouse mm-hmm. and did everything inside that warehouse, but they went out of their way to create engagements and activations mm-hmm. uh, to be able to connect people. And that's, um, that's such an important part. So mm-hmm. I want to finish up. Uh, this conversation has been spectacular. Um, oh, one question before I get to my last question <laughs> is, so Vienna is famous for food. Is there something, <laughs> and I'm a chef, so is there something in uh, the way you approach the the team that approaches the food that makes it uniquely Vienna? Uh, uniquely Vienna is a is a very good question because now I should say we always serve Wiener Schnitzel, <laughs> but that's kind of a problem from a logistical point of view. Um, so uniquely TEDx, I would say. So what we okay. always look at is. Um, Obviously, we have five million options in the sense of gluten-free, lactose-free, <laughs> vegan, right? So, like five million <laughs> options, um, and we're very keen on really providing for everybody. So that's uh, we really take care of that. But then, rather look into what are cool concepts, you know? So we work together with um, with a caterer before who then employs refugees. Um, and they make amazing food together or we work together with an organization that use waste food. So food that would be thrown out because it just doesn't look pretty anymore. Um, and they would cook um, amazing meals out of that. Um, so we rather work on concepts like this. Or this year uh, there is um, a, a snake farm in Vienna that, that they produce amazing, not, not snake, sorry, a snail farm. And they produce amazing snails. <laughs> so we might um, get a snail tasting or um, the years before we had a warm tasting. So kind of I saw a picture of that. Way. <laughs> alternative ways of, of food. Um, so I think we, we always strive to do that. 
So we either just found a hundred people who want to go to your event, or a hundred people that are never going to go. But I love, I love that 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 concept. That's spectacular. So let me. We'll finish up with, you know, it's our listener knows it's hacking the red circle, and I always ask the question at the end: What is that one thing that you do that doesn't cost anything but makes all the difference in the event? What's that hack? Oh wow, um, that that's a very good question. Um, one hack that doesn't cost anything but makes all the difference. Oh, I should have I should have known that question before. I would have I would have thought about it and have such an elaborate answer. <laughs> um, so one hack, one hack. I think just off the top of my head, obviously sure. there are ten thousand hacks. Of course. But but one tiny thing that I just love is, um, you know, our doors open at 9 a.m. Okay. And people, instead of coming at 9 or at 10, as, as, as normal normal people would, right, just before the conference starts, they line up at 8.30 or 8 already outside the theater. And they stand there for an hour to be the first ones to get into the theater. Um, not, not, the, not the main hall where they can sit down. No, 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 just the theater. <laughs> Um, and what we do is we go out and we greet them in the morning and just welcome them to the event. So to have that first little interaction and, and tell them it's so great that you're here today. Um, we sometimes, you know, give them a croissant or whatever it is or a cup of coffee because um, it's sponsored. So it doesn't cost anything. Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, but it's just really that welcoming first. And I think that sets the mode. Or the mood for the for the rest of the day. So maybe that's right. a tiny hack. See, that's that's exactly what I think the hack is. It's that mm-hmm. you know you could just let them stay in line and and because mm-hmm. I know what it we all know what it's like in that hour you're rushing around and everybody's crazy crazy when the doors open oh, in absolutely. five minutes doors open in three exactly. minutes doors open in one minute <laughs> and you're running and. There, you have dispatched people outside to make sure there's coffee and there's pastry and there's, Mm -hmm. you know, so they feel welcome and it sets the tone. I'll leave you with this idea. Um, Last year, uh, I worked with, I help um, uh, TEDx organizers, uh, as we all do. And uh, the university, two hours north of here, had an event. It was their first event and it was 1,200 people. And I met them at the TED Summit in Banff last year. Mm-hmm. And so I was backstage and I'm just kind of calming people down and, you know, just making sure the organizers are all set. And I went out to look at registration. Well, trying to get 1,200 people, as you know, you have a lot of people waiting, right? Mm-hmm. And I went outside and I looked and, and I heard something. I go, what is that? And they had found a guy who was playing uh, electric violin, but really amazing. I mean, it wasn't classical. It was very, uh, and it wasn't jazz. It was, it was spectacular. But he was playing, and that in itself set a tone that was so magical. And so I, we had our team meeting last night and I said, how are we doing on finding some magical music that <laughs> we can have outside that kind of helps people go, okay, this is going to be different than anything <laughs> I've ever done before. And, 
Right. So I, I love that idea. <laughs> Rika, thank you so much. I appreciate your energy and your spirit and your, your dedication to h- how you do that monthly team meeting for 70 people. That's, <laughs> that's just, that's big time stuff. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you also. Thanks so much for having me and us. As, 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 you know. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Hacking the Red Circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show? Or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? Just drop me a note in an email to mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. Please be sure to rate, write, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Makes a huge difference. And share the show with your team as we seek to grow our audience around the world. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for Hacking the Red Circle.